Yeah, I grew up in um, Eastern Canada in New Brunswick, which is a small province. And um, I had a very authoritative father and uh, kind of really um, traditional gender roles. My mother was uh, subservient in, in you know, my view now. And children were to be seen and not heard. You know, we were never uh, to question any parental decisions, uh, just to be uh, obedient. And, you know, that left me feeling a little bit insignificant as a child and that, uh, you know, I didn't really matter. My opinions didn't matter. And so, you know, although I'm not going to get into anything about trauma, that I will just share that that <clears throat> kind of left me as a teenager, young adult, not really being clear on who I was, what I wanted. Um, I would say that I was probably more of a people pleaser at that time in my life, uh, just kind of lacked identity and was more looking to figure out what other people wanted or expected of me and then becoming that. Welcome everybody to this, uh, this episode of Your Gifts Matter. Uh, today I have Ruth Ann Weeks from Harmony in the Workplace. She's a cultural change strategist. I'm really excited to have you here, Ruth, and hear more about uh, your story and how you're helping people uh, during this time and beyond. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to share, Erin. I am always uh, happy to connect with like-minded people and, you know, to use my my experience to help others wherever I can. That's great. That's great. Why don't we just start off and, and uh, have you share a little bit more about who you are and, uh, and where you're from and, and maybe a little bit where you've come from. Yeah, I grew up in um, Eastern Canada in New Brunswick, which is a small province. And um, I had a very authoritative father and uh, kind of really um, traditional gender roles. My mother was uh, subservient in, in, you know, my view now. And children were to be seen and not heard. You know, we were never uh, to question any parental decisions, uh, just to be uh, obedient. And, you know, that left me feeling a little bit insignificant as a child and that, uh, you know, I didn't really matter. My opinions didn't matter. Right. And so, you know, although I'm not going to get into anything about trauma, that I will just share that that <clears throat> kind of left me as a teenager, young adult, not really being clear on who I was, what I wanted. Um, I would say that I was probably more of a people pleaser at that time in my life, uh, just kind of lacked identity and was more looking to figure out what other people wanted or expected of me and then becoming that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So really, yeah, that, uh, that people pleasing type of mentality of, uh, I can totally relate to that by the way, but, uh, yeah, yeah. To just really, you know, the identity comes defined by that versus actually stepping into your, your own, your own self. Right. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. any clear expectations about even what I wanted, let alone, yeah. you know, how to go about achieving that. So, yeah. So yeah. how did that how did that play out as you um, as you approached adulthood? And 
I'm a self-described late bloomer, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I spent most of my 20s in that sort of sub, sub, subservient role, uh, again, you know, trying to just anticipate what people wanted from me and, and fitting into that mold and not really knowing, you know, what my dreams were, what I wanted um, until I was about 30. So in my 20s, I found myself in an on-again, off-again toxic relationship uh, because when someone is in that sort of vulnerable position, people will prey upon that uh, certain people. Right. And um, yeah, so I ended up in a relationship with um, a much older man. He was probably, I think he was 13 years older than I was. And, you know, at the time, just the fact that he was spending, uh, spending time with me and paying attention to me and, and uh, wanted to be with me really um, flattered me. And I just ate it up. And the first thing he did, now I don't know if your audience knows much about um, domestic violence and intimate partner violence, but one of the very first things controlling people do, and intimate partner violence is about power and control. It's not, you know, just right. about the physical aspects. So one of the first things, you know, was I was isolated. So, you know, I went away from kind of my family area and where I grew up and my supports and moved to where, you know, he had all of his supports and, and uh, yeah, on again, off again, over 10 years, uh, just a really toxic relationship. And um, yeah, it was in my late twenties that I came in contact with some people who were farther ahead in the, um, you know, the awareness journey than I was. And they were able to share with me about, you know, how actions speak louder than words, because I wanted to believe all the words, right? I wanted to believe all the flowery talk and all the promises. And of course, I'd heard that expression before, but I hadn't really applied it to my own life. So I started to develop uh, a healthier self-esteem and to recognize that what was happening to me wasn't about me and it wasn't up to me to fix it, that it was just a toxic relationship. It always would be and to want more for myself. So yeah, just, uh, I turned a corner that way in, in around 30 years old. Yeah. It sounded that, that, uh, that in individual or group of individuals really helped to connect the dots as to, uh, opening up a different perspective on things. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, while we're on this human journey, we should always seek to look for people who are, are at a higher level of awareness than we are. And to, you know, I believe we're naturally drawn to those people when the time is right. And when we're ready to, to hear it and experience it. And I know that's certainly been my experience. So at 30 years old, you know, I got really clear on, I knew what I didn't want, but at 30 years old, I got really clear what I did want in a partner and I wrote it out. I think there's so much power in journaling and in uh, writing out our dreams and our visions. And I wrote out, you know, what I was looking for in a partner and just got really content in my life. I just bought my first home and as a single person and I just got really content in my life at that time and really clear on what I did want. And it's, it's amazing 
within uh, a couple of weeks of having that real heartfelt contentment, I met my current husband uh, at 30 years old. And I, I mean, I can't say it's been a bed of roses since then, but there's power in getting clear. Right. Yeah. Getting that, that clear vision as to what you actually want. Yeah. And, and what you deserve too, right? This, you have the power of, of, um, of making those choices and, and, and recognizing what, what, how you want to live your life and, and who do you want to have uh, as a part of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so did this play out at all at work too? This, um, this struggle that you had with authoritative positions and roles and. Uh, not at that time. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I was in a different kind of struggle then I, you know, I met my partner, um, we we were doing well. Uh, my career at that time was really uh, <laughs> I was actually selling heavy equipment parts um, at a company in in New Brunswick that ended up I was I did that role for two years. I didn't love it, but I was good at it. Um, I'm good at the relational side of things and and you know the detail side of things. So, <clears throat> but um, it was more the transition at that time didn't really affect my career like in later years. Um, I just didn't have any stability in my career. I finally had stability in my relationship. I didn't mm. have stability in my career. And then uh, my partner suffered a very serious motor vehicle accident in 1999. And um, you know, our whole world kind of got turned upside down. He was working as a heavy equipment mechanic. He was you know, the main breadwinner. I'd been laid off from my job. We were still in New Brunswick, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity there. Um, so in 2001, we were getting to the end of his recovery period as far as his long-term disability went. And, um, you know, he was able to work four hours a day. So insurance was just ready to cut him off. And there was a lot of unknowns, a lot of stress in our life. And my husband is actually from the West. So we had made the decision to move to uh, Alberta where there's more opportunity or there was at that time. This was 2001. And yeah, we were making plans to move across the country, but I was struggling. I was very ill. I was experiencing a, a very serious illness that was affecting my quality of life. I wasn't able to travel very far without having a plan to stop you know, many times I was fatigued constantly. I didn't realize how sick I was. And because of the nature of my illness, I was actually, uh, you know, I was embarrassed. I didn't even share it with my partner. I just wanted it to go away. I thought, you know, if I don't acknowledge this, it'll just go away as mysteriously as it seemed to come about. And, you know, I, it was, we actually made the move from New Brunswick to Ontario or from New Brunswick to Alberta. We had $5,000, $4,000, sorry, to uh, our last payout from the insurance company to move across the country and set up a new life. I still had my place for sale back East. We weren't in a position to, you know, buy anything when we came out to Alberta. We were fortunate in that we had people to stay with, but my physical symptoms continued to intensify. And I finally went to see a doctor and found out. To, so you hadn't gone to a doctor at this point? You had just no. been just dealing with it on your own, yeah? Yeah, I yeah. was just 
stuffing it and ignoring it and you know hoping it would go away and, and come to find out i had i was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and you know it's a very mysterious disease it's an autoimmune disease and it, you know it's a, it's mysterious in its manifestation but it's attributed to stress mm. And that explained a lot because I'd been under tremendous stress. A little bit about my personality type. I am, I'm a planner. I'm a visionary. I'm just hardwired to look to the future. Um, some people might say a control freak. <laughs> I, I prefer visionary. <laughs> but I was really struggling because there were so many unknowns in our life at that time. You know, we didn't know where we were going to work. We didn't know where we were going to live. We were moving across the country with limited resources. Uh, we came across in a, in a heavy Chevy hauling a six by 12 U-Haul with all of our worldly possessions. We had a German shepherd, two cats. You know, it was, there were just so many unknowns for a planner like me. It was such a stressful time in my life. And with some of that, um, that old uh, programming around, you know, a, uh, someone taking isolating you out away from your resort your support system was that coming up at that time then you know what it, uh, it may have been subconsciously yeah um my current partner was a polar opposite of my previous so i absolutely felt safe with him yeah. i felt supported by him um you know there were no parallels there between him and my former partner um, but yeah, some of that subconscious stuff absolutely could have been coming up right. and, uh, absolutely. So we ended up getting to Alberta. Um, and you know, I had seen a, a specialist, a gastroenterologist. I'd been diagnosed. We tried some different medications. I mean, they use immune blocking drugs for, uh, ulcerative colitis. They're very powerful drugs. I reacted very poorly to them. Um, it wasn't working. My symptoms actually intensified and moved outside uh, my colon into other parts of my body. I had joint pain, debilitating joint pain. I had golf ball sized lumps in my legs. And, you know, there was just, we were talking about um, surgery. There is no cure for ulcerative colitis aside from uh, surgery to just cut out the ulcerated part of the colon. Right. And that, you know, it's a very long recovery. It involves a colostomy bag and it's very serious surgery. And we were actually having that conversation uh, with my medical team as the next step when, thank God, I had a shift. I experienced a mental shift. And the mental shift that I experienced was what led me eventually as a process to wellness. Um, I let go, you know, I let go of my perceived control. I let go of trying to figure it out. I let go of all the mental anguish and stress and pain. I, uh, just heard a message in the faith in in my faith community and just let go of all of like i said the perception of control because we don't actually have any control over our lives right you know in the big picture but i had a perception that i could figure this out i could fix this and it really 
you know, I'm, I guess I'm very strong-willed because it took that um, amount of disease and debilitation for me to just surrender and let go. And it led to wellness. It led to freedom. And it has just led me along the path that, you know, greater than I could ever ask or imagine the way things have unfolded. And, um, you know, whatever your uh, belief system is, this is not about religion. It has zero to do re with religion. For me, it is about realizing that there is a power greater than me and that there is a force at work that, you know, has a plan <laughs> and I couldn't see it. And yeah, so for me, it's been, it's been life-changing, Aaron. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. This episode is brought to you by EngageCoachingGroup.com. You can find a number of free resources on our blog. So if you go to EngageCoachingGroup.com slash blog, there's articles, there's videos, there's links to the different podcasts uh, for Your Gifts Matter. A lot of mental wellness resources there for you. And as well, you can find us on Facebook, Engage Coaching Group. Uh, it has a page there and also we have a page on LinkedIn. So just wanted to uh, make you aware of some various ways that you can find uh, resources to help you with your mental wellness. All right, let's get back to today's episode. So that letting go, did that, was that just in, a, in, in one single moment or how, how would you describe that process and in, in where you were able to be in such, uh, you know, debilitating pain and ultimately getting that, that point where you're going to have major surgery, but then it like, was that shift just seemed to just, was it a moment or? You know what? It, it was a lifetime leading up to a moment. Yeah. But it was a moment. I, right. I, I literally fell to my knees. I sobbed and I surrendered. And it was the beginning of a shift. It was the beginning of a mental shift. So uh, by realizing that I can't control anything, that I, ha I believe that there is a power greater than me in, in force of, uh, at work in the world. I believe that that power is for me and not against me. And I believe that there is a perfect plan for my life and I'm seeking that plan. Yeah. So it sounds like you just had this, uh, this opportunity to actually start to, to believe what's, what's in your control, like literally actually in your control and, and, and letting go of everything else that you were believing was that you needed to control. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I don't know if that control piece was, again, part of my subconscious programming from, you know, growing up in a controlling home or, uh, you know, I have no idea, but um, I, I always just say it's just strong will. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an amazing journey and it, it you know, it was, a, it's not like I flipped a switch and I was healthy, but it started to, it started the process, right. I started to practice rudimentary self-care, you know, meditating, going for walks, just reading scriptures and, you know, just letting go of that, that in my mind and connecting with source and creativity and all of that and writing, journaling. Remember I said journaling, I find for me just brings so much clarity and 
that was certainly the case in this journey. So fast forward <laughs> several years, you know, I get my colitis under, under, uh, under control. I'm not having any flares. I'm healthy. I'm actually maintaining uh, my health with just uh, some kind of low level anti-inflammatories. Um, and I'm living my best life. And then uh, in 2015, I was working for a smaller nonprofit here in Alberta, and I had um, obtained my uh, certification in human resource management, my diploma in human resource management, and I was looking for new opportunities. I was working as a uh, certified information referral specialist for a smaller nonprofit. So I started, I loved my job but I wasn't challenged there anywhere anymore. There was nowhere for me to grow. So I started very strategically looking for a new position. And I ended up taking a position with a larger nonprofit as a director. And uh, yeah, I knew quite quickly taking that position that it was a bad fit for me. It was a very authoritative uh, leadership culture and it was not a good fit for me. I wasn't, you know, when you're a, a director, there are certain expectations that come with that job. And that's, right. you know, being, con being consulted on budgets and, and helping to set the direction for your team and, and that kind of thing. And I wasn't included in any of that. And it didn't mean that other peer directors weren't, they were, but I was excluded from that. And, you know, this was my new shiny opportunity. So I was racking my brains trying to figure out how to uh how to how to make it work and how to fit in and better and and again trying to uh put myself into their expe expectations of, of that box right and and it, it wasn't working so you know i would lay awake at night and, and go over situations and scenarios and it wasn't long before it showed up in my body again right mm. um you know our thoughts are so very powerful they're either leading us towards health and healing or they're leading us into stress and anxiety and and my thoughts were leading me into stress and anxiety so my colitis started to flare again and i was quite sick and you know, I'd go to work relatively healthy in the morning and, and by the afternoon, I, I was not well at all. And again, though, this was my shiny new opportunity. I was no quitter. So I was just trying to figure it all out. And, uh, you know, at that time I had my face, so I was, I was crying out for guidance there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> God chose not to take it away. And now I know why. So, and in those moments, like what were the, the thoughts that started to creep in uh, when you realized that you're in this, uh, you know, this opportunity where you, you thought you could shine and um, it wasn't the case? Like what were the... Well, it was again, you know, it was, it was, I had left an organization where, you know, I kind of felt like my wings were touching the walls. There was just nowhere for me to grow. And, yeah. and you know, this was the next sort of natural progression in my career path. It was middle management. I had more people under me and me and my, and my team and I, we were great. We, you know, they respected me. They got my vision. We were fine, but we couldn't implement any change because I didn't, I wasn't given any authority in my position. So again, you know, I'm still, I have all these visions and, 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 you know, I have skills, talents, gifts, and abilities that you hired me to use, but you're not allowing me to use them. So again, my wings were touching the walls. So I came in, um after thanksgiving 
2015, I came into work after Thanksgiving weekend on a Tuesday morning, and I had been sort of given myself uh, a talking to over that weekend and, you know, um, trying to figure out what I could change about my behavior and my reactions to what was happening. And, you know, I came back optimistic that I was, I was going, you know, to try a new tactic. <laughs> and uh, I got called into the uh, executive director's office with another peer director. And uh, I was fired that morning. And, you know, I was devastated. But Aaron, I was also very relieved because oh, I, knew, yeah. I knew it was a bad fit. I would never have quit because I'm not a quitter. Um, but my hand was forced. I had to make a change. So as devastating. Well, and how did they position the firing? Well, all they told me, and th this was the other thing about it, it was all, like, when I say an authoritative culture, it was, it was not only authoritative, but there was no communication. So, you know, and you weren't, psychological safety is something I'm very passionate about creating right now. And psychological safety is about that um, ability and freedom to take interpersonal risk within an organization, to ask questions, to, you know, uh, challenge things when it's when it's stellar and running really well um, to stop challenge the status quo and just to be heard and to uh, express yourself and I didn't have any of that so it was basically the only thing they said to me was that this has nothing to do with your work and the peer director there I came to find out later she had been disparaging me and bullying me covertly uh, behind closed doors. She had the ear of the executive director. She didn't like me. She didn't trust me. She never took the time to get to know me, but she made lots of assumptions about me. Anyway, this is a kind of covert bullying. And, uh, and although I didn't recognize it as such at the time, because I hadn't educated myself yet on what workplace bullying even looked like or was, that's exactly what it was. It was a textbook case of covert bullying. Uh, right. And so, you know, you've shared, uh, you know, a number of different struggles that you've had to face and all, all related to your health, right? And, and the fact that your body actually started to uh, be impacted uh, physically and, and uh, you know, medically from, from this different stressors that are happening. So what, how would you articulate the gifts that you were able to access along the way? Mm -hmm tenacity <laughs> tenacity okay. yeah that's one um you know what just just that we're on a journey and it's a guided journey and you know i got fired um in october of 2015 and i founded my business in january of 2016 it was a uh, creator kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said hey you've always wanted to work for yourself so now's the time, right? You know, my husband was still working. Uh, he was the main breadwinner. I was able to um, start my business. And I, I'm not going to say that I just hit the ground running and everything's been great. You know, I was really wounded. So much of our um, self-identity is related to the work that we do. And that was absolutely the case for me. I kind of, I knew where I wanted to go, but I didn't have a clue how to get there. 
um, as far as the work that I do in harmony in the workplace. But I knew that I didn't want other people to suffer the way that I had suffered and not be able to identify what was happening to them and not know where to seek supports. So, you know, I... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about how you, you mentioned around that you, this recognition that, that life is a journey, right? So what, what quality did you access or gift did you access to be able to come to that realization that, that life is a journey? Well, I think I'd figured that out pretty early on. Um, yeah. You know, just... But what, is it, what does it take to do that, do you? You know, I, I think it really just comes back to that uh, surrender piece. Right. Right. And that the things that happen to us, I mean, if we believe that we are created beings created for a purpose by design, we're all given skills, gift, talents, and ability that are inherent to who we are. Mine, you know, I'm a visionary. Um, We, you know, when we're operating from our power, we, there's no stopping us. And, you know, I found out since that we will never be given vision that we're not fully equipped to see that vision come to fruition. And so many of us get caught up in the how. How are we going to do that? That we don't jump, we don't leap, we don't take that step, uh, that leap of faith. No matter what you're doing, if you're going to create change in your life, you have to take a leap of faith. It always comes down to that. And so many of us get caught up in the how, what are our friends going to say? What's our family going to say? I can't do that. I don't have a degree. I don't have the education. I'm too old. I don't have the money. There are so many excuses and those are our paradigms that hold us back. And it really just takes that belief. And it's, a, I mean, for me, it was a process. I had all of those things I just described. You know, I had, I had to go through that whole, that whole um, mind shift change. And, you know, I'm still going through it. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. This is a lifelong journey. We will never arrive as long as we're on planet Earth. We are growing and learning. And our higher, our level of awareness just continues to improve and increase as long as we're seeking fuller expression and, you know, fuller life. Yeah. I, I, I really hear the key, key gift that you, you access there is just this inner belief and this inner knowing um, that you're, you're on a path and you're going to, you're, you're, you're taking the steps there to get there. Uh, and no matter what comes in your way, to just keep accessing that inner, that inner belief and surrendering that knowing that, there may be, you know, the path may change or look like it's changing to go a different route or somebody may start to block the path. Uh, but this to keep, to go back to that inner belief and knowing that it may, maybe the, the vision that you had five years ago is not exactly the route there, but it's, it's going to uncover and show you, uh, it present itself as you go. Absolutely. And as long yeah. as we keep seeking, we'll find, you know, it, yeah. it will yeah. be revealed to us and uh, it is a journey. And I am just so passionate now that I have, even though it was so painful at the time, given the work that I'm doing, you know, around violence and harassment prevention in the workplace and psychological safety in the workplace and creating harmonious workplace culture. Had I not experienced, you know, 
A, my just really varied early, um, early year career path in, you know, I worked in manufacturing, I worked in heavy equipment parts, I worked in male dominated fields, I worked in female dominated fields, I just did a whole bunch of really varied jobs before I even entered post secondary. So I have sort of that lens of understanding, I have the lens of understanding of you know, working in the nonprofit sector and coming alongside people in their in their mess and their junk and helping them to come up with a plan to de-stress and to address what was happening with them. And, you know, coupled with my human resource management uh, education and psychological health and safety training, I mean, it just, it has just culminated to such a roundness in my skill set. And I believe that that's what life is about. Life is about teaching us how to step in to our um, our God-given destiny. Yeah, yeah. The, the steps along the way got you to, you know, the, the right place that you are today, right? Right. Yeah, so um, so right now as we record this, we're going through the you know, COVID-19 global pandemic. So how, um, how are things for you during this time and how are you helping others uh, during this time? Well, you know, it's really interesting, this, this whole um, mental health journey that I've been on related to my health and my uh, processing anxious thoughts and this and that. Um, you know, I did recover from the bullying situation and was able to get my health back under control. And it was a process, but, you know, I got there and, and I hadn't had a flare up of uh, my disease in uh, over four years until the end of February, 2020, mm. when, yeah. you know, as a, as a consultant and trainer and change strategist, um, my calendar, everything, I mean, I mean, I was busy, my calendar, everything started getting canceled. Events were canceled. Speaking engagements were canceled. Everything was canceled. And I'm, you know, throwing up my hands. What am I going to do now? And was feeling really defeated because it, I actually started questioning my whole path. And my disease flared again. And really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was I was very quickly able to get it under control. Like it was only a couple of weeks and I was very able, uh, quickly able to get it back under control because of the mindset work that I've done over the years and and just but it yeah, it it was a bit disheartening because even though I know it's an incurable disease except by surgery, I thought I was cured. <laughs> so how and, did you how did you um be able to get it for, for people that may be suffering from it uh, that are listening. Like, how did you uh, get it under control? Well, there, there are meds that, you know, yeah. you can use and, you yeah. know, I utilize those for, for probably a week or two. Yeah. And, you know, again, just, just got back into my mindset work and, you know, even though, see, cause I'm still a planner, right? I, I can't help it. It's how I'm hardwired. So I had all these plans. I had all this agenda and when it all went away again, I, you know, I was throwing up my hands, but it, it, I came back to my belief system. I came back to the realization that, you know, that hasn't changed. You know, that has not changed. It's just my perception that has changed. So, you know, I, I, practice self-care, you know, it's, it's really so important and it doesn't have to be anything um, incredibly hard. 
I know in 2015, when I um, was going through that and, and really sick and trying to re-identify myself, I, I started volunteering. I volunteered at a nonprofit coffee shop near where I live. And I, you know what, I did a four hour shift there a week for two years. And mm. because I needed that feeling of uh, contributing. So yeah. I think that is a really important part of self-care is uh, contributing to your society in some way that resonates with you to, you know, just taking care of your, your physical health, getting fresh air, exercise. Those are really rudimentary things that are important to everyday mental health. Um, journaling again is huge for me when I, my thoughts start to scramble, I just write, I put them on paper and it really just helps me get focused. And, um, isn't it powerful journaling, just being able to get, get those thoughts out and release them, so to speak. Right. And just, yeah, it can be releasing and, and actually just a, a tidbit to help because when I was going through my kind of crisis at the end of February, and I'm working with a coach right now, a mindset coach, and she's she's amazing. And and I knew that I knew that the thoughts and dwelling on on the the bad things that were happening was not good. I know that we need to focus our thoughts on the positive and where we want to go. Um, because where the mind goes, the energy flows, right? So whatever we're concentrating on and thinking about, that's what we intensify. And, but I, I was trying to stuff them all down and they weren't going away. They kept coming up. So she told me, she said, make an appointment with your disappointment, schedule it no more than 15 minutes and journal all your feelings, cry, scream, yell, holler, whatever you need to do for that 15 minutes. And that's what I needed to do. It was, it was cathartic. I, I was able to do that and, you know, have that moment and grieve you know, for my lost agenda and then pivot. So, you know, I was able to do that. And, and so I've created um, a free webinar called Mental Health SOS and it's uh, creating a culture of support. And the SOS is looking for signs and symptoms of mental health struggles uh, to provide options and opportunities uh, for support and safety. And it is for, you know, anyone working, um, leading organizations to help with their call, their colleagues or their employees. It's for, you know, workers within an organization to recognize uh, mental health struggles that may be occurring in, in their peers or for any individual who's, you know, even in a family who needs t- some tools to recognize mental health struggles and others, kind of what they look like and and offering those cultures of support. So that's something that's sort of come out of COVID that I'm, that I'm offering. Yeah, that's great. And so how can people find you uh, if, they're, if they're interested in, in uh, attending that the, the webinar that you're hosting? Yeah, they can go onto my website, harmonyintheworkplace.com and sign up there for the free webinar. And I'd love to have them. Um, the other thing I'd like to share with you, Aaron, is this sort of mental health journey um, through uh, my physical illness and how it's transitioned into my business. I've co-authored, there's 10 authors in a book called From Shadows to Light, A Whole Human Approach to Mental Health. And 
all of the proceeds, uh, initial proceeds from that are going to mental mental health prevention initiative. That's right. And that can also, they can also sign up on the list uh, for that book on my website. And yeah, there's, uh, That's right. yeah, mental health is very timely right now. And, you know, it's those lines between, even though corporate is my main um, target audience, those lines between work and home are more blurred now than ever. You know, there's a lot of people working remotely and uh, yeah, employers really need to get on board with mental health supports and what that looks like and employees and peers and families. It's very timely. Yeah, it's uh, it's been needed for a long time and uh, there's been progress there, but now this is actually put, putting things into perspective that it, 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 how important mental health in the workplace is, right? Uh, yes. And, and it affects uh, everybody. It's, everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're breaking yeah. down some of those stigmas. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, the, the leaders of these organizations um, are actually uh, in some ways in a place where they can relate to their, their people because they're having to go through the same thing and working from home and, and the challenges associated with that and not being, you know, connected to your team in the same way that you were before and how to communicate effectively, communicating effectively now uh, has to be done in a way that, uh, that the message can be heard in a way that's, that resonates. And it's not just an email that's sent, right? Exactly. And I think, yeah. 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 So in closing, you know, you've shared actually a lot of really, really good tips and the, the piece around journaling, I really liked how your mindset coach had mentioned to just, um, spend that 15 minutes and just get it out because that is something that I think a lot of people aren't aware of is that it's not just important to feel happy and feel good but to also release sadness the worries the self-doubt and just actually allow it to to be present as well there's power in that and and, and there's gifts on the other side of it right? uh, but is there anything else that you'd share uh, that can help people that uh, are maybe in an authoritative organization uh, or relationship uh, situation and they just they, they they're looking for ways to to move forward and uh, need you know something simple that they can do uh, that's that can provide somewhat of an immediate result to get them to the next step i think the best uh, thing people can do for themselves is to get really clear on what they want so many people are even afraid to dream dreams are cheap dream big what would you love? What would you love in your life? What would the ideal workplace look like? You know, if you're leading an organization, you, you, you want to think about your legacy. You want to think about what kind of um, legacy you're leaving. What kind of workplace do you want your children, your grandchildren to work in? What kind of uh, workplace do you want to be leading? What kind of workplace do you want to be working in? Because I'll tell you, Younger generations, millennials, Gen X or, or Gen Zers that are now leaving the post-secondary programs and entering the workforce, they want to work for organizations that support them and believe in the things that they believe in. They are savvy. They're doing research and workplace wellness programs and psychological safety and violence and harassment uh, zero tolerance for violence and harassment in the workplace are important things that they're looking for. They're, we've broken down some of those stigmas with those young, younger generations, and they're not going to put up with the toxic status quo 
that um, some of us have and they're educated. And not only that, they've, you know, in a lot of places in the world, there's legislation now that actually protects them. And so they're empowered. So they're yeah. savvy and they're empowered and they're knowledgeable. So there's a whole lot of reasons to do it. It's the right thing to do. It's legislated and, you know, people, people deserve to be able to earn a living without sacrificing their physical and mental health. Definitely. Oh, that's, that's so true. And, uh, and so, so important, as you mentioned, to just, um, if, if someone is struggling right now to, to focus on that vision of where they want to get to and really have a good picture and um, an idea and, and start to, you know, you know, allow surrender to dreaming. You know, what I'm hearing you saying is allow the dream to, to unfold and, uh, and get clear on that. And, you know, the, you know, like you said, the millennials are, um, they're, they're, they've created that vision of what that, you know, places they want to work in and be in. And uh, it's important for the leaders of these organizations to, uh, to be aware of that and know that uh, and listen and listen to the, um, the generations that are going to start to be working on the front lines and moving their way up into leadership positions over time. Yeah. Well, if they want yeah. to, if they want to attract next generation talent, they really have to yeah. have their workplace wellness uh, ducks in a row. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Ruth, I really appreciate your time today and for, uh, for sharing, you know, some, some real personal uh, aspects of your journey. And uh, I think it really highlighted, uh, you know, the struggles that you've gone through. It highlighted your, um, you know, the gifts and, you know, what some people may say is a control freak where you've, you've actually shifted <laughs> that and say it's, you're a visionary, right? Um, and to access the gifts in that and to be able to surrender uh, that, need of control and to know that you're heading on the, the you're heading in the right direction and um, to allow things un, to unfold in, in ways that you may have not even considered. Yeah. And it's, it's really amazing, Aaron, when people get clear on their vision and what they want, what would, what would they love in their life? Doors start opening and mm -hmm. people that can help you along that journey start coming to you. It, I, I mean, I dare you try it. What do yeah. you have to lose? Yeah. And, and the other thing I, I hear is this, this belief in something greater, right? To, to know that there's a, um, there's a greater power out there that's, that's looking out for us, right? And uh, uh, is, is there to guide you along the way if you, if you sit and listen to the, the, the positive uh, messages that are, that are being sent. Absolutely. Uh, through, you know, internally or you, as you talked about, people just showed up in your life and gave you uh, exactly what you needed to hear to, to shift things, right? So. Yeah. And you know, those people might be there all along the journey, but you won't hear them until you're ready until you're this ready to hear it. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening and uh, be well. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you know, I really hope you got a lot out of this episode and we're able to take some, some lessons from today's guests. If you love what you hear on here, uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And, uh, and if you can share, uh, share it in social media, on Facebook, on uh, LinkedIn, uh, any, any platform that you're using you want to share with, uh, with people that you think would benefit from it, that would be fantastic. And uh, you know, giving us a rating uh, also helps in, uh, in helping us gain more, more listeners to benefit from uh, ultimately the message here that, that, um, that we all matter, right? That you matter 
and the and the skills and talents and abilities that at times may have seemed like struggles along the way there's actually gifts in there and and to be able to bring those to your uh, your workplace uh, to your passions to your personal life uh, there's so much benefits there so i really appreciate anything that you can do to help get the word out about uh, this podcast so more and more people can benefit from it and look forward to uh, to sharing another episode with you soon